Well, hey, good morning and welcome to Heritage. It's uh, great to have you all here. Uh, trust you're staying comfortable and cool and, and all of that. And, uh, but no need to talk about the weather, right? Uh, uh, man, you'll see what I mean when we talk about... I, sometimes I think, man, all we do is complain about the weather. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. And anyway, so uh, have you looked in the mirror lately? I want to ask for a raise of hands as to how many of you did not look in the mirror this morning. Uh, as I look around, it looks like you all did that, so I'm, I'm, that's a good thing. But you say, well, Glenn, what are you talking about? Looked in the mirror, what do you mean? Um, well, you know, like it, when somebody says that, it may be, well, m maybe you forgot to brush your hair, or you got up and, uh, guys, maybe you forgot to shave. You say, well, I don't shave. Oh, okay, well, that could be too. Well, um, or maybe you've got something on your teeth and you didn't take care of that. Or maybe it is you've got something on your shirt. Uh, you looked in the mirror. We, we were with our community group, went down to Ballyhoo Ice Cream the other night. And, um, and I got home. We're eating a cone and, and we're sitting around talking for a while. I got home and I, I'm like, I had a spot. And I'm, oh, that must just be water. And I looked in the mirror. And I, wait a minute, I dripped ice cream on me. How long have I had that there? And you think, you know, everybody in the world saw it. But uh, So have you looked in the mirror lately? Well, maybe um, I, as I look, my summer shirts are getting a little too tight. And I need to talk to Jane about not shrinking them when she washes, right? Uh, but the mirror, so, or today, it's not going to be about that, but more or less, it's about taking a look at yourself. You've heard that phrase about taking a look at yourself. Not in a literal mirror, but uh, doing some serious self-evaluation. And that's what I want us to think about. What are you doing with your life? And maybe somebody says, you know, have you looked in the mirror lately? What are you doing with your life? Um, as you think about that, I mean, you're reflecting on what direction are you taking in your life? Where are you going? Are you happy with your life? How's your attitude? What about your heart? And we could go on and on, all kinds of self-assessment questions about taking a serious look at who we are, where we are, what we're doing, what our life is all about. Folks, our world has changed. I have to tell you that people have changed. And life as we have known it has changed, is going to keep changing. Uh, the church as we've known it has changed, right? Uh, if you've been around the church at all, it's not different. It's not the same as it was years ago. It has changed. The church, that's us. That's us who know Jesus. That's God's people. We have changed. And that's when we say the church has changed, it's because we have changed. And uh, we are continuing the change. But my question is, have you looked in the mirror lately to see how you are doing? You as part of the body of Christ. You as a member of God's church. Have you looked in the mirror lately to see how you're doing spiritually? To see how God sees you. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1, we've made reference to that verse over the course of our study in the book of Jude, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith. 
It's going to happen. It is happening. And follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. That is happening. People are abandoning the faith. People who once claimed to know Jesus, who once sat in this building on a regular basis and in churches like this all over the place, have abandoned the faith. And we've been studying Jude's letter written to God's people, some of God's people in the first century. We don't know exactly what local church that may have been, but it certainly had a Jewish flavor because of the language that Jude is using and the references that he is making from the Old Testament. He wouldn't have done that had his audience not had that kind of an understanding. And so as we've done, we've been talking about, Jude has been talking about those who are abandoning their faith or who are leading others to abandon their faith. And as we've done that, Jude is putting out a warning, uh, a warning to that there are people who are walking away from their faith. There are people who are walking away from the church. There are people who are walking away from God. And those same people, Jude tells us, have secretly slipped in among us, have slipped into the church, to the church that Jude was writing, slipped in among them secretly. And they are attempting to get those those who are followers and friends of Jesus to walk away. That's what's going on. That's the warning. Look out for those who are walking themselves, have walked away from their faith and are trying to get others to do the same thing. To walk away from God, to walk away from His church. Open your Bibles with me, please, to Jude and if you'd like a Bible, don't have a hard copy and would like one, uh, underneath the chair in front of you, you should find a copy of the Bible there. And in that Bible, page 860. But the book of Jude, on your phone or tablet, whatever you may be using. Um, and uh, as we look at Jude, just go back to look at verse 3. And Jude says, I felt compelled to write and urge you to contend for the faith. He's warning them, listen, there are those who are trying to lead people away from what you believe. And he's saying you must contend for the faith. I'm not sure if we understand how big a deal that is, folks, but that's what Jude is saying. And then he goes on in verse 4, for certain individuals, he said they are ungodly people. Verse 8, he says, these ungodly people. Look at verse 10. These people who slander whatever they do not understand. And as we pick up uh, where we left off last week, we're going to start at verse 12 and go down to verse 16. But in verse 12, he says again, these people are blemishes. Verse 16, these people are grumblers and fault finders, complainers. Are you tired of hearing about these people? When I opened my Bible this week to begin to study, back on Tuesday, and I, and I turned to the book of Jude, and I thought, verse 12 here, and these people, you know, these people, and it sounds somewhat like a broken record, but it's not. There's significance to every single thing that Jude is teaching. And as he continues to talk about these false teachers, 
it's important. And as I was thinking about that, you may say, yeah, I'm tired. And if you're tired of hearing about it, well, uh, aren't you the one who's preaching? Well, do something about it. Well, I began to think about that. And as I was praying and thinking and reading over and over, and I thought, what in the world is here? What has God got here? And studying, it hit me that Jude is continuing, and even in only 25 verses, he's continuing to communicate serious stuff, a warning to God's people. It's a big deal over and over again throughout the entire Bible. Writer after writer has sought to communicate the same warning, Paul's warning, to the elders, the pastors in Ephesus. And it's simply understand there's danger out there to God, to the faith, and to his church. In Acts chapter 20 and verses 29 to 30, I, 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 I you can mark it down. I have you want to look at it. I have it on the screen for you. But here's what Paul was saying goodbye. He had ministered to the church in Ephesus for three years. And you can go back in chapter 20 of the book of Acts and read that and check out what's going on. But he's saying goodbye to them. He's been there for three years. He's moving on. The Spirit of God has directed him to more planning of starting churches. And he says to these Ephesian pastors or Ephesian elders, he says, I know that after I leave, savage wolves. Now, we talked earlier that Jesus talked in Matthew 7 about sheep or wolves in sheep's clothing, right? Wolves in sheep's clothing. Paul doesn't talk. He just says, savage wolves will come in among you from outside the church. They will come in among you and will not spare the flock. That's us. Those of us who know Jesus, we're the sheep. We're part of the church, the flock. He says, they will not spare you. Verse 30, even from your own number. What? Even from your own number. Number men will arise and distort the truth. Another translation says twist the truth. We sometimes think that when people are attacking these false teachers, these wolves who are out there are just going to get right in our face and deny everything. Oh, some do that. But it may not be denying everything. It may be a little distortion here, a little twisting there. It still looks kind of good, but in fact, it's no longer the truth. And it's not enough. It's no longer truth enough that we need to get away from those individuals and grab hold of the real truth. But he says they will distort the truth. Why? In order to draw away disciples after them. Now, who are disciples? Disciples are those who are following Jesus, the closest followers and friends of Jesus Christ. Disciples, those who know Jesus, those who understand by faith the relationship that they have because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Disciples, and these wolves are out to draw God's people away from the truth. They're out to draw God's people 
away from the church. They're out to draw God's people away from God himself. Now think about that. You say, well, certainly we don't have that problem here at Heritage. Well, that's a good question. I don't know. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, when we read Jude, they slip in secretly. Very subtly. They distort the truth. Yeah, they're wolves amongst the sheep, but they're not always that discernible. And what we need to understand is we look through and study through the book of Jude. That is his message. And we need to learn to recognize a wolf, a false teacher for what they are. So this morning, I want you to take a hard look in the mirror. I want you to see if you are being drawn away by the wolves. If you're being pulled away by the false teachers. You say, well, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think I know any false teacher. Well, when I say drawn away, maybe, maybe it's not you've moved out. But maybe it's like, okay, you're being influenced by some false teaching. It may be that you're being swayed to question what you believe. And there's nothing wrong with questions. I'm never afraid of questions because God's word has the answers. We should not be afraid of questions. Parents, when your kids ask questions, you ought not to think they're, they're, they're rebelling, that they're falling away, that they're, they're running away from the truth. No, give them answers. The answers are here. We need to help our kids because it's when people don't get answers that they walk away. And so we need to help them. And as we understand, it's important that we take a hard look in the mirror to see if we've been influenced, if we've been swayed, to see if we've been affected by false teaching. Because here's the deal. If we have been, we're going to start to look like a wolf instead of a sheep. We're going to start to act like a wolf instead of a sheep. And it may be in our words, it may be in our attitude, it may be in our thoughts, it may be in our actions. We're going to start looking like, we're going to start being, demonstrating in our lives some of these characteristics of false teachers or wolves. Look at Jude 12, and this is what Jude says, these people, and again, we're talking about the ungodly people, the the false teachers, the wolves who have snuck in, secretly snuck in. He says, these people are blemishes at your love feasts, eating with you without the slightest qualm. Shepherds who feel only, who feed only themselves. He says they're blemishes. Probably a better way to understand that blemish would be uh, hidden reefs or rocks. And in shallow water, out in the ocean, or it could be a lake. Sometimes you don't see the rocks that are just below a surface. And he says, be careful about them. These people are there just under the surface. And what you have to understand is that they, just like they can rip out the bottom of a boat because you don't know it's there, certainly these wolves, these false teachers can shipwreck your faith. Paul talks about that to Timothy in chapter 1 of 1 Timothy, about those whose faith was shipwrecked because they didn't recognize the false teaching. And he names a couple of false teachers 
Alexander and Hymenaeus are there as false teachers, and, and they had to deal with them because their lives went shipwrecked. He says, they're, they're, they, they eat at your love feast with you. Now, what are we talking about? Well, back when we went through 1 Corinthians, we talked about the communion time together. And God's people in the early church would gather together for a meal, would bring everybody in, the rich and the poor, and, and, and thank God for the rich who provided food for the poor who didn't have it. And they were all there together and enjoying one another's presence and sharing together and what they had and eating together. And those meals were a great opportunity to demonstrate love and care and concern and, and grow in their fellowship, their relationship with one another. And then they would celebrate together communion, the Lord's Supper. They would remember Christ's death on the cross for them and, and, and remind themselves of the price that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ pray, paid for them on the cross. Problem was in Ephesus, or in Corinthians, First uh, Corinthians chapter 11, the, it began to be abused. And, and this may be part of that reference. And some of these false teachers came in, these people who were hidden reefs, they came in eating with you without the slightest qualm, without thinking they were doing anything wrong, and he calls them shepherds who feed only themselves. That's how you know there were, weren't, weren't, they were false teachers, because they were only there to feed themselves. That's not what a shepherd does. Shepherd's job is to protect the sheep, to feed the sheep, to lead the sheep. These guys were there hiding to do damage to God's people. Then he says, he goes on, he says, they are clouds without rain blown along by the wind. Boy, it's been a while since we've had any good, solid, consistent rain, right? The lawns are burning up, and oh, every once in a while we get 15 or 20 minutes of downpour, and then it's gone, right? Well, what we need, clouds without rain. Well, the problem is when that rain brings or comes for the crops, there's drought all over our country. We, we know about that. We're hearing about that. And sometimes you see the clouds and you're, oh, good, the rain's coming. He says they're like clouds without rain. The idea is that that's a metaphor for people who make promises but don't deliver. An empty cloud, a cloud without rain. He goes on, autumn trees without fruit and uprooted, uprooted twice. Autumn trees, it's, it's in the autumn when, when the fruit would come and, and you would expect it. And, and all of a sudden, autumn trees without fruit. Uprooted, why? Because they were worthless. If a tree's not producing fruit, why, let it, why, why have it go on? Dig it out and plant one that will. And he's saying, that's exactly what's going on. False teachers lead people, but they don't produce the fruit that would indicate their connection to Jesus Christ. Then he goes on, wild waves foaming up Shane. You ever see junk and debris at, after a storm along the, the ocean shore, the beach? Jane and I love the, the Jersey Shore, and we go down there, and, and we've gotten into this thing uh, looking for this. It's called sea glass. It's really just old broken bottles and glass of some kind that's been out there in the ocean and somehow gets all churned up and washes up onto the shore and, and you can see it of all colors, blue and green and brown and clear and, and, it's, and it's there. But, but after a storm, there's all kinds of junk that's, that's brought up onto the beach and, and, and it's, 
and I mean junk, I'm talking about old wood and debris, I've seen dead fish, and you have too if you've walked along the beach, right? That's what he's saying, wild waves foaming up shame, all this junk and stuff that's of no value, of no benefit to anybody. Wandering stars, the word is planets actually, but off course, for whom blackest darkness is reserved. The stars, the real stars are in place so you can see all those constellations. When you look up into the sky on a clear night and you can see the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper and, and, and all of those, Orion and the Bear, and, and, and they've been there. They will be stable. They'll be there. But he's saying, hey, these are wandering stars. There's no stability. They're off course. And all these descriptions... Empty claims and promises, no purpose, no meaning, no point, worthless. That's who he likens these false teachers to. And then verses 14 and 15, he says, Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about them. See who prophesied about who? All of these people, these ungodly teachers, these wolves. See the Lord is coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones, probably angels. Probably his saints too in some ways, and it couldn't be both. Read through Matthew chapter 25 and you'll get a glimpse of that and into the book of Revelation. But he says that coming with thousands upon thousands of his holy ones to judge everyone and to convict all of them of all the ungodly acts they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant words ungodly sinners have spoken against. They are under God's judgment. False teachers are already condemned. We saw that back in verse 4. But here they are. He's saying it again. As, as we talk about there in, in verse 15, the, the idea of to judge everyone, to convict all of them of two things, of their ungodly acts, he says, that they have committed in their ungodliness and of all the defiant um, words that ungodly sinners have spoken against him, against God. Man, that, those verses are just full of ungodliness. God is talking about that. Jude is talking about that as it relates to God's judgment. But, but then look at verse 16. These people, again, these people are grumblers and fault finders. They follow their own evil desires they boast about themselves and flatter others for their own advantage. They think only of themselves. That's a characteristic of these false teachers, of these wolves that are out there to pull us away, to draw God's people away. They think only of themselves. And, and we need to recognize what Jude says in verse 16 so that we can see who these false teachers are, but we also, here's where I want you to take a look in the mirror. Here's where I want you to look at your life. We've been looking at what is true of false teachers here in the book of Jude, of these wolves, what characterizes them. If we are being drawn away, and that's part of the problem, if we are being drawn away, we don't always know. You may not know because the, the devil is so subtle. The false teaching is so just enough untruth that we've gotten off the path that God would have us to be on. If 
we are being drawn away. These characteristics will begin to show up in our lives, begin to show up in our actions, in our attitudes, in our thoughts, and in our words. Verse 16, I'm just saying, as we look at this verse, I want you to ask yourself, are any of these actions true of you? Is any of these things that we're going to look at, these characteristics, are, are, are they in your heart or mind? Are they true of the way you think? Are they words that come out of your mouths? Are they thoughts that enter your mind? Now, you may not be a wolf. You may say, I'm not a wolf, but you might look like one. You might act like one. And it hit me that as we were talking about this, James, or Jude, excuse me, was certainly warning God's people about the, the importance of not being drawn away from the truth, but at the same time, those things that are true of these wolves, of these false teachers, might also, little by little, begin to be true of us. Because without realizing it, we are being drawn away. From the faith. Now, let's look at some of those. Grumblers and fault finders. Together as one. Can't help but think of the nation of Israel, right? When we think about grumblers. I mean, when you read back Israel's history in, in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You, you read all of the history of Israel and see and there's always grumbling going on. But uh, we don't have to go all the way back. I want you to look at John chapter 6. Keep your place in Jude, but if you look in your Bibles at John chapter 6, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, John chapter 6, and start at verse 35. And I just want you to, to look at this, write this down and check it out later. The, that, the, from verse 25 on, the whole sixth chapter, wow, there's so much great stuff, but look at this. Jesus, to verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. If you're here today without Jesus, you don't have to stay that way. Jesus is saying, I'm the bread of life. I have all that you need, if you will come to me, if you will believe, I will give you that bread of life. Your sin will be forgiven. You will never hunger again. And he goes on, and he says, verse 38, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my fathers, get this, my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I'll raise Him up at the last day. Woohoo! Huh? Amen. There it is. All who look to the Son and believe will have eternal life. If you're here today without Jesus, understand that you need Christ. And the invitation is wide open for you to come to Christ. But Satan, the false teachers, the wolves are going to do all they can to keep you away. To keep you from responding. To keep you from believing. Verse 41. 
At this, the Jews there began to grumble about him. About who? About Jesus. They, be, they, they didn't like what he was saying. What? Jesus is offering forgiveness of sin and eternal life, and they're grumbling about that? They're grumbling at him. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They didn't believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Savior who came to this earth to go to the cross to provide the forgiveness of sin. They didn't want that. They began to grumble. Look down to verse 43. Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And let me just say to you, there's some deep truth there, but I want to say, if you're here today without Jesus, all you need to do is believe. You need to believe that you're a sinner. That's why Jesus came. That's why he's talking. That's why then Jesus came. He was born as a man. He went to the cross. He gave his life willingly, voluntarily on the cross. He shed his blood so that your sin and my sin could be paid for, so that we could be forgiven. Do you believe that? If you don't, you need to believe because without Jesus, without faith in what Jesus did on the cross, you will not have eternal life. You will not one day be with Jesus Christ. He will not raise you up to be with him on the last day. Grumble. Verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? aware of his, what his, uh, that his disciples were grumbling about this. Look at verse 66. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Whew. Apostates. They didn't believe. They, had, they were his disciples at this point. From that time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Obviously, I would say to you, they didn't believe to begin with. They gave every evidence of it. They looked like it. They looked like a sheep. But they weren't because they turned back and no longer followed Jesus. Grumblers. Fault finders. The word fault finders is about complaining. It, it's made up of two words, a compound word. To, the words are to blame and fate. To blame their fate. People who complain are blaming their fate. We might say it this way. I'm not at all happy with the cards I've been dealt. I'm not at all happy with my lot in life, with, with the fate that God has given to me. The where, where he's placed me. The situation that I'm in in life. I'm not happy about that. I'm complaining. I'm not, the, the, what God has given to me, I'm dissatisfied. I'm not content. That is what a fault finder, that is what a complainer is all about. And that's going to be true of people that are going to lead you away from the truth. But it might also be true of us. came a quote with uh, one of the books I was reading. He who is out of touch with God is prone to grumble about anything. You ever know somebody that you, can't, you just can't make them happy? Never happy, right? Always got 
something negative to say, always get something to grumble and complain about. He who is out of touch with God is prone to grumble about anything. God is the one that makes the difference. And then he goes on. The second statement there says he follows their, they follow their own evil desires. Self is all that matters. Blatant self-centeredness. It's all about me. Life is about me, what I want, what I like, what I want to do. Nobody should tell me anything because it's my life. I want to do this. And, and the implication in this, and if we look back in Jude as we have studied, there's a reference here. The idea involved, the implication is actually sexual sin. The idea of following their own evil desires. I want what I want. We saw last week how Jude said, and when you get what you want, it will destroy you. You don't understand, but it will destroy you. James 1, verses 13 to 15, talks about how those evil desires, when we are dragged away by our own evil desires, we fall into sin. James 1, 13 to 15, check it out later on. And then he says, they boast and flatter. He says there in verse 16, he says, they boast about themselves. Loud-mouthed boasters, arrogant, proud, full of themselves. All they have to talk about is me, lifting me up, me-centered, egotistical, and, and, and doing it in such a way that I got it together. It's all about me. I know what's going on. Bragging, boasting, uh, as he says, all about themselves and flattering others for their own advantage. And the idea here is hoping to impress people. It's a deception. Flattering people. People like to be flattered. People like to be told how nice they look or how nice they are or whatever it may be. And, and people accept that. But this isn't truth. This is deception because they're only, he says, only flattering others for their own advantage. Telling people how good they look or whatever it may be or how much you appreciate them or you're impressed with them so that you get an advantage. What that really is is favoritism at its best. Hoping to gain something by flattering people. Uh, making them sound good to others around them when in fact you're only doing it so people look at you. To gain the favor of man. But the fact of the matter is in each of these situations it's a rejection of God. Talking about myself, building others up so that I gain an advantage. What The advantage is I don't need what God has to offer. I can boast about myself because I'm proud of what I am and who I am and what I've become and what I've made of my own life rather than saying, you know what, without God, it's nothing. So what's the bottom line? What's the bottom line? Look back a few books to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. In our study here of Jude, we haven't spent a lot of time in 2 Peter, but if you want to read more about false teachers, about these wolves, 2 Peter chapters 2 and 3, and, and, and here's how I want to close. I want you to see these first three verses of 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Look at this, and, and I have it on the screen. If you don't have it up in your 
copy of the Bible. But there were, were false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. He said, there's always been false prophets. You read back all throughout the Old Testament, they're there. But he said, just like that's true, there will be false prophets among you. Now, Peter's talking about this. Jude was written, I believe, after 2 Peter. And I think Jude is writing about now that the false teachers are here. No longer will they be, but they're among you. That's what Jude is writing about. They, these false teachers, these wolves, they will secretly introduce, secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction on themselves. We've seen that a number of times in Jude. They've already been condemned. They're just waiting for God's destruction to fall on them. Verse 2, many will follow their depraved conduct. You see, folks, that's why as I read through this week, it's like, no, 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 we don't, we don't get tired of hearing about these people, those people, these ungodly people, these ungodly this, ungodly that. We need to pay attention because Jude's warning us, many will follow. Churches all across our country are falling apart because many are following the depraved conduct of false teachers bringing false teaching into their lives and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. How many times have you hear on the news anymore the truth that we hold real from God's word and we hear it in, in the media out there and it's brought into disrepute? Wait a minute, you actually believe in the sanctity of human life? <laughs> In their greed, these teachers, and we saw that last week, they were compared to, to Balaam, who was greedy, who was ready to compromise what he believed for God, for money. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you. Do you see this? Many will follow. They're out to exploit those who know the truth. Many will exploit you with fabricated stories. Their condemnation has long been hanging over them and their destruction has not been sleeping. Real simple. Will you take a hard look in the mirror? Today, are you being drawn away by wolves? Are you being exploited and you don't even know it? Have you moved ever so slightly, ever so slowly away from the truth of Jesus Christ? Have you grabbed on to what this world has to offer? And that's much more acceptable. I enjoy that more. There's more pleasure in that. I'm not satisfied with my lot in life. I'm complaining. I'm grumbling because I don't like what God has given me. Have you moved away from what you once claimed that you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ as the only means of the forgiveness of your sin? Will you take a hard look in the mirror? Are you being drawn away by the wolves? You say, well, I'm not a false teacher. You may not be, but are you being influenced? Are you being swayed? Are you being affected by wolves? Are you beginning to look like one on the edges? 
Are you beginning to sound like one when people listen to what you have to say? You're beginning to think like, well, I want these. These are the things that matter to me. I'm not so sure about that religious stuff anymore. Uh, maybe a little outdated. I, I like this more. Are you beginning to sound like a wolf? Are you beginning to look like, think like, talk like a false teacher? Maybe. Just maybe you need Jesus. Maybe there was a point in time you thought you trusted Christ. But there's been real no, no real evidence in your life. Maybe you need Jesus. Will you take that look? Are you being drawn away? by the wolves. Father, what a warning. God, to, to be able to recognize the false teaching that's out there, to be able to hold on to the truth that you've given us in the Bible, the truth that we've held on to believe, the life-changing truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not grumbling and complaining about what we believe to be right and true and how we want to live our lives and pursuing our own evil desires and how in our pride we think we have all the answers and, 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 and we can just build others up to make ourselves look good. Oh, God, help us to look to you, to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher, the beginner and the completer of our faith who came to this earth to die on the cross to provide forgiveness of sin so that we one day could be caught up to be forever with our Savior Jesus Christ in heaven. Oh God, I pray if there are any here today who don't know Jesus, open their hearts. Don't let them be deceived and tricked and dragged away with a twisted, perverted truth. And God, for those of us who know you, Father, protect us. God, help us to take Jude's warning Help us to grab hold of your word and to know it and to live it. And God, if on the fringes of our lives we're beginning to exhibit some characteristics of these wolves, oh Lord, help us to see that and deal with the sin in our life. Father, keep us strong and true. Help us to defend, contend for the faith that you've given to us. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.